Good morning, church. Wonderful words, beautiful words. Today's subject is one that we need to remind ourselves of from time to time. We've talked about it in the past, but it's something that needs to be brought up occasionally. And that is the subject of the Bible, why we need to study it and even how to study the Bible. This is not an easy topic to address, at least in a very short time. I think we could probably spend an entire quarter of Bible class learning to properly study the Bible. We can certainly not condense that into today's lesson. What we'll look at today is going to be the very basics. You might say an introduction to studying the Bible. Now, people have a wide range of views on the study of God's word. Some wonder why we do it. Others wonder why we spend so much time at it or conversely, so little time. Are we looking at it closely enough or too closely? Perhaps you've heard some of these things or discussions on Bible versions, the use of reference materials, commentaries, dictionaries, concordances, language references, and the like. I'll start with a question. Why should we study the Bible, or more personally, why should I study the Bible? The first and probably the foremost reason why we need to study the Bible is because of what it is. It is the Word of God, our Father, and we need to approach it as the Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, at verse 16, 2 Timothy 3 and 16, Paul wrote, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That word that we have translated as given by inspiration of God literally means God breathed. Paul is saying that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for us. Therefore, we need to view scripture the Bible, as God's word. With that in mind, look with me now at 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Paul commended the brethren at Thessalonica because they welcomed it, not as some man's opinion, but as the word of God. And that's the first reason we need to study the Bible. Another reason to consider as we deal with how to study the Bible, or why to study the Bible, I should say, is that it helps us to better appreciate who God is, and it gives us a better appreciation of our salvation. How can we know that we are saved? How can we appreciate what was done to make salvation possible? 
How can we better know God and understand what he has done for us and continues to do for us? The answers to those things are through the study of his word. Romans 1, verse 16 and forward says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 10, take a look at that when you get a chance. One of the problems in Corinth was related to the pretentious, empty philosophies of the Greeks, who so highly regarded the eloquent speeches of their orators. In the first part of this chapter, Paul gave his reasons for not following those popular methods in preaching the word. Paul explains how we know about God and what he reveals to us. There is a discussion about the wisdom of men and the wisdom of God and the mysteries of God's plan. And then Paul makes this point. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. In other words, what Paul is saying, the reason we can explain to you about God is because the Holy Spirit, who is part of the Godhead, revealed it to us. When we look at the Bible as the word of God, it is in this word we learn about who God is, and we can better appreciate our salvation as a result. A third reason that we should give consideration to why study the Bible is because it gives us answers to the questions that people frequently ask. There are questions about life. Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Where am I headed? These are big philosophical questions that people ask, and the Bible is the book that gives us those answers. In Genesis 1 and 1, we learn that God created the heavens and the earth. And then a little later in verse 26, we learn mankind was created in the image of God. And that is why mankind has dominion over the rest of creation and why we are to gain knowledge of it. Solomon concludes in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Our purpose is to fear God and keep his commandments, which we find in his word. Another reason is mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, where Paul says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul tells Timothy, and it applies to us, be diligent 
to present yourself approved to God. Paul is telling Timothy he needs to be accurately handling or rightly dividing the word of truth. The Greeks use the word for expound soundly. This is not just saying as some try to make it, know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's talking about how one accurately handles the word of God. And you cannot do that if you're not willing to take the time to study his word. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Peter says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We are to desire the pure milk of the word so that we may grow. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he admonishes us, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Peter concludes that letter by reminding us that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we are expected to do. If you recall from our study of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer rebuked those brethren who had not studied the way that they should. And he made a point of it in Hebrews 5 at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We need to reach a point where we can digest the meat of the word, which means becoming mature enough that you've gone beyond the basics. The only way to go beyond the basics in the word of God is to study your Bible. We need to study it because we are told to. In addition to that, we study the Bible to learn how to live so that we can please God. The way that we please him is by doing what he tells us to do. Back in 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 16, Paul said all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Another word for doctrine is just a simple, straightforward word, teaching. Then he says, for reproof. Well, today we focus on the idea of this word, meaning a criticism or to blame. But what it means is it means a proof that by which a thing may be tested and proved. It is checking something by comparing it to a standard and identifying if what is being tested complies or is in error. If what is being tested is an error, it needs to be corrected. If you have an error in your life, you need to become aware of that error so that you can make a correction. How do we correct what has been identified as wrong? How do we correct that for which we have been reproved? And he says, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, here the man of God is not merely Timothy. Man is generic, and it means human being. 
Everyone who walks in the way of God is made complete and completely furnished unto every good work by the Holy Scriptures. How do you live your life righteously so that you can have a hope of heaven when this life is over? The answer is by studying the word of God and making application in your life. The final reason I want to consider is this this morning is this one. We need to study the Bible to help us defend the faith. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, 1 Peter 3 and 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Peter says you need to be ready to give a defense for your hope. In Jude 3, it says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. They had received the word of God and they needed to be able to defend it. Well, how do we defend the word of God? We cannot defend the word of God if we do not know what the word of God says. We have an example of that over in Acts chapter 17. In Acts 17, and I'll start in verse 2, we find Paul is in Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And it says there, Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. As we read on, we find some of them were persuaded and some were not. The point is, he reasoned from the Scriptures. Paul was able to take the word of God and show them how Jesus fulfilled the scriptures. He reasoned with them. If we want to defend the faith, we need to study the word of God. Those are some reasons why we need to study the Bible, and I'm sure many more could be added to these. Well, let's move on, and I want to take a look at a second question. What attitudes do I need to study the Bible? I have a coffee cup at home with a slogan on it. It says, your attitude almost always determines your altitude in life. I suggest to you a proper attitude is the first step in studying the Bible. If the right attitude is not there, you're not going to be able to proceed with the things that you need to do so you're rightly dividing or handling accurately the word of truth. Let's look at some attitudes that we need as we study the Bible. The first one is we need to know the purpose of Bible study. As we just outlined, the purpose of Bible study is to know God's will. We need to go to the Bible with the intention of getting out of the Bible what God intends for us to get out of it. In Acts 17, 11, after Paul leaves Thessalonica, he goes to Berea, and he begins to teach them. And it says in verse 11, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, 
in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. In other words, Paul taught and they readily listened, but they did not just take his word for it. They opened the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was the truth. I'm reminded here of what we saw in Hebrews when we studied it at chapter 5, verse 12. The Hebrew writer tells them, by this time you ought to be teachers. That was a problem. He was concerned and he rebuked them. He said they needed to again be taught the first principles of the oracles of God, the word of God. And then in Hebrews chapter 6 at verse 1, he encourages them to go beyond those first principles. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. That's what our goal needs to be, to get out of God's word what he intends. Some people, as they approach God's word, do so with the wrong motives, of course, and they've already got preconceived ideas. They approach God's word with a prejudice, and they have no intention of changing that prejudice. Often they approach the Bible simply to prove what they already believe. They've made up their mind, this is what I want to believe, and I'm going to find a way for God's word to say what I want it to say, even if that's not what it means. Some read the Bible just out of curiosity. They might see it as one of the great classical works. And they maybe put it on their list of philosophies. Others read the Bible to find tidbits of trivia the shortest verse, the longest verse, the middle verse, or maybe to find some interesting sayings here and there. That's not good enough. Then some go to the Bible with a negative intent. They're looking for something that they might call a mistake or an inconsistency. They want to reject the Bible as the word of God. Yes, they may read it, but they read it with the purpose of looking for reasons to criticize what the Bible says. And if you look hard enough and you're willing to twist scripture enough, you're going to be able to find plenty of things you think are inconsistencies or mistakes. In short, I want to study the word of God to be pleasing to God and to glean from the text the intended meaning. Another attitude that I need is reverence. By that, I mean we are to respect God and show God the honor that he deserves. When it comes to God's word, we need to understand that the Bible is the word of God and be respectful of that. Treat it as such. It's not a novel. It's not just a book of history. It's not, as I mentioned a few moments ago, one of the great literary books of philosophy. It is God's revelation to us. Paul was commending Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and 15, where he said, from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I notice how he calls them the Holy Scriptures. They are treated with the greatest respect. 
I remind you again of 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13, where Paul said, I commend you because you welcomed it not as the word of men, but you welcomed it as the word of God. They showed proper respect. I'm reminded also of something else that's recorded in Nehemiah, which was written after the children of Judah were permitted to return to Jerusalem. After 70 years of captivity by Babylon, they were able to return, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and then they began to restore worship to God. Nehemiah 8 records the great gathering of people together where they were going to read the law. And verse 5 says, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. When they stood, that was a sign of reverence. The word of God was about to be read, and they weren't going to take this lightly. Out of respect, they stood for the reading of the law, and they remained standing as the law was read for several hours on that particular occasion. When I study the word of God, I need to approach his word with reverence. I strongly suspect many people today have little or no reverence for the word of God, and they show it in so many ways. You can see it in the way that they water down its message, where they take the message of God and they say, well, it doesn't mean what it says, that doesn't apply to us today, or they outright ignore the parts that they don't like. Now, another attitude that I need to have as I study the Word of God, I need to approach it believing that I can understand it. Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians 5 and 17, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In Ephesians 3 at verse 3, Paul explains how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Paul is saying, I'm writing these things down so that you will understand. I need that attitude as I study, that we can understand the word. Many have been convinced otherwise. They've been convinced that we cannot understand the word of God today. They might look at the religious divisions around us and they say, well, that's proof we can't understand what it says. They have been told by skeptics and critics, the word of God has been corrupted. We don't have the true word of God anymore. It's been compromised. You can't depend on it. When people hear those things, they think, well, why study God's word? I'm not going to be able to understand if it is the word of God. There was even a point in time when the scriptures were kept from the common man. Well, folks, I don't believe it. I do believe there are places, places in the Bible that are challenging. But I consider that one of the good things about the Bible when I think about it. The Bible is something you don't just read once. You read it more than once and you study it. Every time you read it, you're going to learn more and more as your understanding grows. And that is the way the Bible was designed. 
Yes, there are parts of the Bible that are very challenging and difficult to understand. Now, Peter told us that in 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3 and 15. In speaking of Paul, he says, Our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which those who are untaught and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the rest of the scriptures. Peter says there are things that are hard to understand. He does not say they are impossible to understand. When it comes to the matter of salvation, when it comes to the way you live your life as a Christian, it is simple and easily understood. You can understand what you need to do to be saved, and you can understand that you need to please God in an obedient life. The fundamentals of the faith and Christian living are clearly revealed, not necessarily easy to apply, but understandable. And there will always be times when we need help. Keep in mind, though, people are always fallible, and their direction is only useful if it is true to God's word. I'm not saying that the guidance of the experienced is not helpful, and indeed, it is needed at times. Times where the best thing you can do is seek someone more mature in the faith and ask them, what does this mean? If they have studied the way that they are supposed to, they ought to be able to give you an understanding. I'm reminded of Timothy. His job was to preach the gospel, which means he was to share it with others. Paul tells him in 1 Timothy chapter 4, at verse 16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. In Ephesians 4 and 11, Paul talks about the various leaders in the Lord's body. It says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. People in a position of teaching. Paul continues, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Paul is saying that God has given us leaders to build us up in his word. Why? So that we're not deceived by false teachers. We're not tossed to and fro and carried back and forth by every wind of false teaching. We become united and we grow the way God wants us to grow. Remember, of course, people are fallible. 
And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Prove would be another word. Whether they are of God. What is the saying these days? Trust, but verify. Make sure that it is true. Compare it with God's word. Approach the word of God, believing that you can understand it. We also need to approach the word of God with an open mind and a love for the truth. If we read Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 11, we will find that Jesus taught in parables because some people had closed minds. They refused to hear the truth or even consider whether or not Jesus was their promised Messiah. As long as their minds were closed, they were never going to receive the word of God. We need to be like David in Psalm 119, verse 97, where he says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Like the Bereans who received the word with readiness and then searched the scriptures daily to verify. Like Cornelius, who when he was concluding his explanation said in Acts 10 and 33, So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. It is the love of truth that should keep us studying and keep us from being deceived. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, talks about strong delusions being sent. It says, did not receive the love of the truth, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they may believe the lie. They did not love the word of God enough to study it so that they would not be deceived. People do not study as they should because they do not have a desire to learn, and that is something we need when we study. It can be for many reasons, but any of those reasons is detrimental. As Christians, we are seeking first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6 and 33, which means we want to know what God expects. Matthew 5, verse 6 speaks of hungering and thirsting after righteousness. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 tells us be diligent to present yourself approved to God. When we realize that we are dealing with what will judge us on the last day, we ought to put forth every possible effort to learn as much as we can. John 12 and 48 notes, the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Consider also 1 Peter chapter 2 and 2, desiring the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The last one I want to mention is a desire to obey. All the knowledge is inadequate if we do not intend to obey it. God's word is not a book of suggestions. It's a way of life, and that is continually emphasized. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus tells them that disciples are to be taught all things that I have commanded you. Luke 6 and 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? James 1 and 22 emphasizes this point clearly. We are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So we've looked at why we should study the Bible, and some of the reasons are because of what it is. It is the Word of God to help us better appreciate God and our salvation. 
because it gives us the answers to questions people people often ask, because we're told to do so by him, to learn how to live so that we can be pleasing to him and to help us defend the faith. Next, we considered how important our attitude toward God's word was in the learning from it. We took a look at some of the attitudes that would help us study effectively. The first was we need to understand the purpose of Bible study. We need to approach it with reverence, a belief that we can understand it, with an open mind and a love for the truth. We also need a desire to learn and just as importantly, a desire to obey and please our Heavenly Father. Worshiping God and not studying his word is like participating in a blindfolded archery contest. You don't know what you're missing. We understand from the New Testament how to be saved. We need to hear the word, believe in Jesus, repent of our sins. We must confess our belief that Jesus is the Son of God and be baptized for the remission of our sins. If we follow these steps, the Lord adds us to his church. Then we are to live our lives in faithful obedience, well-pleasing to God. If there is someone in the assembly today which who needs to be buried with Christ in baptism, if you've never done those things, we urge you to do so. If anyone has that need or desires the prayers of faithful Christians on their behalf, we encourage you to come forward while we stand and sing.